With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I the city, I've been browsed. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of the Smash Accept podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. And again, there's excitement in the air. I mean, we got Scott Fishbowl we're going to be talking about today. Super exciting content. We're going to be giving away one of our draft boards. Guys, John, Adam are on the show tonight. How you guys doing? Excited. It's uh, Scott Fishbowl time of year. Happy to be on the pod. I know. And, and Adam, I mean, this is your first time on, on Scott Fishbowl. Talk to me a little bit about the experience. You, you got the email, like some of the, some of the thoughts going through your head and how, how that whole thing shook out. You know, I remember my first one and it was just like, I could, I could still remember getting that email and just sharing it with my buddies. Oh yeah. No, it was uh, first and foremost, I was in Vegas on top of it. So I was in Vegas, get the email when I woke up in the morning, I'm like, ah, I, I, te- I text you and, and John, I'm like, Dude, this is awesome. Oh, so yeah, I felt like I was I was already in the fun, you know, really fun place, but I felt like it was Christmas morning. I'm like, I got in. So yeah, it's been three years in the making and totally stoked. It was that's awesome. Better than Christmas. Who's morning. who's the big winner tonight in the casino? Huh? Well, we're gonna find out here with that the, too. With this with the spin, right? I mean, John, the, the Patreon chat has been blowing up and it's been, you oh know, gosh, a, a long it. time in the making, but the, the Smash Except family just keeps growing and growing every single day. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm loving this time of year. I guess we've been talking about in the pod, but I, I really feel like I've never had this much fun in an off season with Scott Fishbowl, SFB12, the Smash Patreon, a lot of the stuff that we've been working on with the Smash crew is kind of coming to life. Dad, your vision that you've had for how we build out this community, it's it's so much fun to watch it happen. And yeah, it's kind of taken a, almost a life of its own. So it's been a real fun for me to be a part of it. That's awesome. And I got to point out, I was on first with my backwards black hat today. You're kind of <laughs> copying that a little bit. But guys, I mean, what we're going to do here is our sponsor, awesome, awesome group at draftkits.co. You got to go on their website. You got to order their boards. I got my Patrick Mahomes board behind me. I use it every single year. I'm going to unveil my kids board. John's got his behind him. But they make the best custom draft boards. They make everything from your, your basic you know, $24 medium size with, with high graphics to the most elaborate, like beautiful vinyl custom boards. And what we're going to do today is right off the bat, we're going to give away one of these boards. They have $115 value. Everyone that is in the paid pro, pro, uh, Patreon program is on this list. And what we're going to do is we're just going to spin the wheel. I got everybody's name in there. Some of these guys in this Patreon chat are in our Scott Fish mock that we're going to be going over here very shortly. So those guys got two entries, and it's nice. exciting. I mean, someone's going to get a $115 board, whatever team they want, you know, and, and whatever player they want in the background. It's just going to be fire. So, guys, go over to draftkits.co, put in code SMASH. You get 10% off. Do and it, do it. 
honestly, you will be the coolest commish out there. So without further ado, I'm going to spin the wheel, and we're going to see who wins, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'm kind of nervous here. Look at that wheel. Great. Let's get it going. Live. We live. The odds be in your favor. Who's it going to be? At least Hardy. Oh, Brian's going to lose it. He was like so close. All right, <laughs> oh, congratulations. Man, that is awesome. Nice, nice. So Congrats. I will talk to you. We'll get you your custom board here in a, in a little bit. Um, but guys, I mean, tonight's podcast, I'm super excited about because we are going to talk Scott Fishbowl. That's what everything's going on right now. Everybody's talking about it. You know, you got the t-shirts, you got all the, all the cool things in the environment. John, I mean, I remember my first Scott Fishbowl. Yeah. It was so much excitement. It was like a blur, you know, and I think there's a lot of things. Mm -hmm. This is my fourth one and I'm just, I'm relaxed now. I'm in here. I'm like, right, I'm trying right. to. I'm in the 108 chat and I'm making friends in there and I'm networking. And then I'm in the, the Philadelphia chat because that's where, you know, I, I was going to be Team Endor or somewhere from Star Wars. But, you know, I went with Philadelphia, which is close to mm -hmm. me. And I'm gotcha. talking to those guys and I'm networking. And it's just like, it's an awesome, awesome experience just to know you're, you're in it and you're having that fun. You're, we're all raising money for charity. You know, we got the AVI makers and making banners and Twitter's just everything's SFB 12 and I, I'm excited about it. Talk to me a little bit how you've yeah. evolved over the years with that because that first year, it's just a blur sometimes. Yeah, and you almost put a little bit of pressure because you like want to prove yourself out to the community. And I, I um, kind of went so hard looking for ceiling players, a lot of which didn't come through and I learned a ton, but I love Scott Fishbowl. I really think it is the single best thing that brings the whole fantasy dynasty community together every year. I'm repping Austin, I'm in the Austin division and the, the dirty dozen and i want to give a quick shout out to the 12s chat uh, nick pinnikoff kind of got that going uh, a lot of them are I've, i told them about the pod they're kind of listening in and they're they're mixing up they checked out our our mock but that's that's the first thing that i'm going to tell everybody here is really enjoy it have fun and get involved in the community don't miss out on that because you're really competing and you're you've yeah. done a hundred different mocks um, we're going to get to that but I, I think that that's really really key and you know when when you're in there too on the day of man keep in touch with with everybody have fun with it one thing that i thought was really cool that i didn't know about my first year is there's actually you can actually keep track of the live adp from all the other scott fishbowl divisions that are drafting and it'll kind of give you a sense for who's going where kind of size it up uh, i definitely um, would would advise everybody too like you want to go in with a plan but i was a little bit too rigid with my plan dad in mm -hmm. in you really do need to stay pretty flexible and kind of get an early read on where there's going to be value, kind of projecting out who might be available. Make sure you understand these scoring settings too. And dad, I, I was in a couple of these mocks and I realized I'm like, oh, that's right. You have to start three wide receivers and you got it, these QB. You and I were talking about that on the phone. Yeah, like I almost know? missed it. And, and, we're, and we've, we've done this before. So yeah. really make sure that you study up and you have like a custom – kind of idea on the projections. We're going to get into that a little bit. Um, and, and lastly, do, do do some mocks, not necessarily to predict what's going to happen because I can guarantee you when it's, when it's live, it's a real thing. It's not going to go like you expect, but it is going to give you an idea of the strategy that you might want to take and where some guys might be. And so that's what we're here to do tonight is actually help you with our mock. And uh, this, this is actually going to help a ton of people. I think that are in the Scott Fishbowl 12 this year. Yeah. And, and for you know, we have a lot of listeners who don't even know what Scott Fishbowl is. They're like, what is this? You know, and it's it's the premier pro-am tournament in fantasy football. Really, really it's the is, kickoff yeah. 
of the fantasy football season. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, who's in it? You know, is it just analysts? I mean, it's analysts, it's fans, there's celebrities, there's professional yeah. athletes. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of, of fans in this year. It's an awesome part for community and raising money for worthwhile causes. You know, yeah, FS, fantasy cares, check that they, out. Yeah, they have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for charity. It's amazing. And it's just like every year, this is what gets it kicked off, right? Like this is when we know fantasy football is right around the corner, you know? So I am super excited about it. Let's talk a little bit about the scoring here because that's that's mm-hmm. the crazy thing. Scott Fishbowl scoring, and I'm seeing it a lot of like regular leagues now, but Scott, I think, was one of the first ones where I seen scoring was in the 1.75 tight end premium. But basically the way it looks out, and one of the trickiest things is you got 11 starters, you know? So we're in a deep league to start yeah, with. A lot deep. of guys in our group chat that, that did this, they were like, yo, that was really difficult. The fact that we had 11 starters. You, <laughs> mm-hmm. you could start one quarterback, one super flex. You have to start three wide receivers. You have to start two running backs. You can start a kicker. You have to start one tight end, you know? And it's just like the scoring for this is what's bananas. You know, like you look at things and last year the the, the scoring was ridiculous, you know? So you got to at least pay attention to what some of those things are, you know, where there's points for first downs. Adam, what's the biggest thing when you were going across the scoring that stuck out to you? Yeah, the first the first downs was a was a big change, right? So so you know, it's definitely propping up your possession receivers and obviously your possession big time not only your big time tight ends but also your middle tier tight ends that tend to be the go to. So uh, you know, uh, John for example stole you know Schultz there in the middle rounds we'll get to, but like mm-hmm. you know guys mm-hmm. like that right the guys that have that upside but are going to be your go to receivers in those two positions I think was huge. Um, and, you know, really still considering the tight end premium, but that's, that's kind of from year to year. But I think that was, for me, was the biggest, uh, one where I think not everybody's looking at whether if it's our mock or other mocks I've been doing so far is that, uh, that first down and really making sure that you're prioritizing those possession receivers. Yeah, I, I love that. And there's so mm-hmm. many different philosophies to go in with it and things like that. But I mean, we're looking at an 11 week regular season and that's where, you know, like, like I said, this will be my fourth time in. I've made the playoffs every time, but then it gets crazy, right? And John, you pointed out yep. this year, you used to be head to head, but this year it is a median scoring. That's so right. the top six in each division get a win, the bottom six in each division get a loss when it comes to points. So I think that's going to change how we look at things, you know, where, where you got to yep. go with your scoring. And then once you make the playoffs, then it's a it's a crapshoot. It gets crazy. You know, like I went all the way to the final 12, but it's like each team, you know, your bottom 10% of your starting field will be eliminated and then you move on to the next field. Then you move on. So it's like you got to have a philosophy of drafting for high upside. You got to take those guys that are going to give you big risk rewards for some time. And the, the bottom line that I got to say to everybody is like my first year, I was so excited to be in there. I didn't do a ton of prep. I listened to a couple pods here and there. I wasn't rigid. I just went with the flow and had fun. You know, in the last the last couple years, I've tried to study up, you know, and try to do all this extra research. Enjoy the event. You know, I I, I want you guys to listen to podcasts and what they have to do, but just enjoy the event. Enjoy the experience because you know there's going to be over two thousand people, only going to be one winner. You know, and it's it's eternal glory for anybody that does. You get to hoist the belt there from Trophy Smack. Speaking of Trophy Smack. Again, draftkits.co now. Awesome, John. They are going to be yeah. the official draft board I heard about of Scott Fishbowl. So 11 of the 12 live events Beautiful. are yeah. going to have our sponsor, draftkits.co, and some of those sweet graphics that we were talking about. So, you know, yep. that part is is super I, exciting to me. Yeah, and I think they're actually going to stream some of these live. The, the live events, um, are. I think you can actually be able to watch some of these go down. 
and uh, so check that out too. We'll, we'll try to make sure that we drop it into our feed when um, some of these live Scott Fishbowl drafts kick off with the draft co draft boards. Exactly. So what I wanted to talk about here first is our, our boy over at, at JWB fantasy. That's mm-hmm. at Wyatt B underscore FF. You know, he, he has said all things fantasy. He's a chef. He's a nerd. He's creator of at JWB fantasy football does things over at DLF. He's been in the Scott Fishbowl 11 and 12, and he comes up with just an awesome tool, like totally awesome. It's at jwfantasyfootball.wp.com, you know, and it, they have an awesome projection model. Like he has it out there, not only his redraft, his dynasty, but he's got his Scott Fishbowl scoring projection model. And as I was looking through this and I was doing my draft, I was taking the best player available based off of those projections. You know, it's like, there, those kind of projections aren't out there on Fantasy Pros. They're not out there on Yahoo, ESPN. Right. This is one of the coolest tools for your draft. You guys got to check that out. You got to give him a yeah, follow. Yeah, I was impressed. It's good it stuff. is awesome. You know, and again, that's at Wyatt B underscore FF. Guys, go over and follow him. Send him a DM. You know, like it, it is a super cool tool um, that, you know, we did our mock. And then, John, mm-hmm. I know you put in the numbers here. Right. Talk to me a little bit about what you saw from the numbers. And, of course, you know, out of our mock. I mean, I got to give shout out to our guys who ended up drafting there. I mean, we had Adam at the one spot. Our second spot was was our man Brian Russell. Uh, Cousin Vito, you know, was at three. Jared Sel Brady at four. Uh, we had Sam Eichenlob at five. Our boy Pope FFH at six. Michael McDade at seven. I picked from the eight spot. Uh, Fantasy Nerd Boy. You know, like these guys are super sharp. Dan Duke FFB. You know, and, and that's Dan uh, Brightweiser. And then you at 12. I mean, this was one of the toughest drafts. I've drafted industry yeah. drafts. I've drafted with some absolute ballers. No doubt. And this was one of the best drafts I've ever been a part of. Just yeah. super sharp guys. I know some of those guys, Adam and I were talking, were like, yo, they were sniping all my guys on purpose just to kind of tick off dad. But, John, talk to me a little bit. What about you saw from the scoring? And then, of mm-hmm. course, you know, whose team graded out the highest? You know? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, yeah, I, I definitely think it's important to have, like, a set of projections that you kind of believe on. And, and so we, we use this, this one from JWB. And it, it's really helpful, right, because Scott keeps everybody on their toes. He's not going to go with your cookie-cutter type of scoring. And so you, you mentioned the first downs, Adam. I also would throw in there, like, this QB completion percentage accuracy is going to be a big deal. I wanted to see how that played out into some projections with that, with that league median too, that I think that's really going to be important with QBs. And we'll get to that um, to, to stay in that top half. You're going to need some QBs who tend to score the most points that are above the average. If you want to beat that median every mm-hmm. week. And so I think that was, that was one key takeaway, but you know, these, again, these mocks really help you determine like what strategy do you want to take? And this is exactly what we've been talking about in the 12s chat. So by entering in all the projections for our draft, we kind of got a sense for which teams really were projected to do the best, all these different kinds of strategies from the smash Patreon crew that jumped in here. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll give a quick shout out. We had nerd boy came in at four there. prestige came in with three yours. Truly came in two. I was a little short. Of course, uh, the the king here, Dad, <laughs> did come in number one. He's got a he's got a couple more years of Scott Fishbowl experience under his belt. But it, this is really key, and uh, we we need to break down like what did these teams do here with their builds that led to them 
actually having the highest point totals. And, yeah. it, you know, I think that's what we're going to start to break down here, Dad. Yeah, so let, let's talk about it right off the bat. I mean, Adam, you had the number one overall pick. I feel like the number one overall pick in this particular format, this will be the same guy in 90%. Talk to me a little bit about why you picked number one and, I mean, who you're going to take. I mean, I think the who is very obvious, but talk to me about the why. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Josh Allen, uh, spoiler alerts here, right? That's why I said on the, on the chat in the draft too, I'm like, you know, get ready for a curveball boys. And then I, I picked down, uh, but yeah, it's a no brainer just because of the upside, the floor, and then with the completions, right. And first, I mean, you're talking about it's, it's the full product and that's half the reason I did it. I wanted to get the elite of the elite on the, on the top of this board and then play value. So, and then two, as you mentioned, this is my first Scott fishbowl. I just wanted to have fun. I wanted to go with go, get the top player and be able to, uh, uh, to to just have some fun with it. So it's kind of half uh, wanted to get 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 your boy at number one and then number two. I like was that. Just have some fun. Yeah, and I mean, John, I think you chose twelve. I think right. the biggest wrinkle this year is the third round, third round reversal. reversal, and That's and right. that was the biggest struggle. Brian Russell messaged me. He's like, for me, the biggest thing was trying to navigate that third round reversal. I mean, Adam, for yeah. you, that had to feel like an eternity getting back to, to you in the third round where it would have normally been mm -hmm. in that area. And, and John, I mean, I, I believe that's one of the reasons why you chose 12. Yeah, it really was. It was a key part of my strategy. I kind of looked into who I thought might be available there at that, that first turn, the one, two, but knowing that I'm going to start the third round off with the three, one to me was a pretty big advantage. And so um, I, I uh, wanted to play that out this year and, and start at the end. Plus, the other reason I like 12, to tell you guys the truth, is I get to sit back and see what strategies are kind of going down in front of me, mm -hmm. both in the first and as it's going back in the second. Again, I start off the third, so I can see the first two picks at that point from everybody. I'm the last one to go in round one, too, so I can kind of yeah. maneuver a little bit and stay fluid like I talked about. And so that's actually an advantage that the 12s I thought had and a few of the reasons that I wanted to choose that one. And in my particular situation, I chose eight because, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, I'm playing this area. I'm playing chess here. For me, there's seven quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, and it worked out. And there are seven quarterbacks and one running back that I want in this area. And that's why I was like, I'll take eight. And then you get that third round reversal. So, you know, that, that to me, mm -hmm. and, and everybody's already in their draft slot. So let's talk about some of these picks. I mean, pick one. Obviously, Josh Allen, pick two to Brian Russell, goes to Justin Herbert. Absolutely love that pick. I mean, most of these guys, when you ask what their philosophy was, they said, one, I want to get that early quarterback for that safe floor and high ceiling because completion percentages yeah. are huge. Because mm -hmm. quarterback scoring, I mean, if you pull up, John, what, what he has there, I mean, when you go to Wyatt's projections here, what kind yeah. of points are we looking at? I mean, we're looking at Josh right. Allen, 412 or yeah, 412 fantasy points, you know, Justin Herbert, 395, you know, and then you look at the top running back, the top running back is 366. The top wide receiver projected is, is all the way down at 358, you know, so yeah. it's like those quarterbacks are huge. And the, I always look at the difference between the top quarterback and then that, that next tier, those tier you go breaks. down to, yeah. you know, your QB twos and those guys are in the, in the 200s, That's right. some of these guys, because of the completion percentages, are, are way down there, you know, because you get a full point for your completion, negative five for every incompletion. So some of these guys, you know, we had some, some, some interesting situations where Zach Wilson was in the negative last year, you know, and you got to mm -hmm. really pay attention to those kind of things. So right. the quarterback scoring. QBs huge. was just gone, right? Yeah. We saw in this mock here, the first 
Seven yeah, the first picks seven great. picks. I mean, yeah. Vito took Patrick Mahomes. He said that was kind of like Adam. That was his most enjoyable pick, right? It was like it was a smash except he got to sit back and relax mm-hmm. after taking three, and then it got tricky. Uh, you know, Jared took Lamar Jackson. The rushing upside isn't quite as impressive in this format because of the completions, but you still get the points there, and that's, you know, something you definitely want to get. Um, I know multiple guys here, you know, Sam Eichenlob ends up taking Kyler Murray, and then he got Trey Lance in the second. He said his biggest play was trying to get two mobile quarterbacks and guys that that have high completion percentage. Uh, And then Pope, he took Joe Burrow. That was his guy all along because completion percentage is king. Joe Burrow was number one in completion percentage last year, you know, so that was huge. And Mm -hmm. then I believe Michael McDay just took Jalen Hurts just to kind of get at me, you know, and try to to go in in front of me there, (laughs) which is fine because then – at eight, now we start to get a little bit different kind of play. I jumped to the podium to just absolutely hit that smash accept button on Jonathan Taylor yeah, because the running that. backs here, you get the running back, you get the extra points for the you know the first down, the touchdowns. Yes. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is is it's him and Christian McCaffrey are, are are right up there, you know, and those are the guys. And Nerd Boy took Christian McCaffrey with the next pick. I think that is a huge play. You want to get those running backs early. You want to get those quarterbacks early. And I feel like we start talking about people's draft philosophies here. And almost every single one of them was like, let's get that early. you know. And, and for me, John, yeah. this is my fourth one. Every single mm-hmm. one I've gone in my first four picks, I, either, I, I go with three running backs and a quarterback. You know, yeah, and, or, that's, or, that's or been your get formula. that other one. Yeah, and I think for those that are listening, this is what I was kind of breaking down with the 12s. I mean, it, you, you won the projections here on this mock by doing this three out of your first four picks as running backs. And like you said, you're getting some of the top tier guys before you hit that cliff. You mm-hmm. can see looking at these projections, how quickly it tapers off with the, the premier running backs. There's bell cows that went in the first couple rounds. But so I'm with you. I think QBs and running backs early are key for two reasons, the positional scarcity the the point system that mm-hmm. Scott Fishbowl has set up this year. And and again, just getting into those top scores that you're going to need to win in this league and, and beat that median every week. So it, I, I, I'm kind of convinced that's the move. I, one thing I'll just add to this too, if you look back to the scoring, it is half PPR, right? Mm-hmm. And so who's going to get impacted the most from your standard PPR leagues to now half PPR? It's going to be the wide receivers. Yeah. And yeah, it affects everybody, but those are the ones that you depend on receptions four points. And so for those of you that are used to drafting in a PPR environment, I know I am, you do need to adjust a little bit. So it does kind of make sense a little bit to maybe shift back towards the the running backs versus the wide receivers here. But yeah, for sure. And, you know, we ended up having the next two picks go wide receiver. We just talked about that. But Austin, that's FF underscore prestige, super sharp guy, takes Cooper Cup. You cannot argue with Cooper Cup. Yeah, you know, he, his, he's his truly the exception. He's yeah. the exception. And then Dan uh, Dan Breitweiser went with Jamar Chase. And I think at this point we're trying to get into that area. Now let's talk about what you do here then. I mean, you're, yeah. you're in there at the 12. You're in this – talk to me a little bit about your thought process because the board's wide open here now. You know, yeah. you, you have seven quarterbacks gone, two wide receivers, two running backs. What did you ultimately choose to do? And I think this is kind of where this this position is going to go completely. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the dirty dozen here at the 12 spot will, in this particular scenario, double tap QB. By the way, and I'm very my- proud that you guys have changed your name from the 12s to the dirty dozen. Yeah, like yeah. the 12s was like, come on, yeah. it was like kidding. Yeah, we needed a little time, right? We're 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 late in the draft order. We're late on the name, but 
I'm looking at the the board here and I'm checking back with JWB on his projections here. And he's got Dak Prescott and Tom Brady as the, looks like the fifth and sixth overall QBs in terms of projections, right? Because you have Mm -hmm. to factor in the the completion percentage, the accuracy there. And so I I, I really just loved starting that direction, knowing that I'm going to get to start the third round here. So there's going to be some pretty juicy running back, options there potentially um see who else might fall and so that that was the philosophy i also if jt cmc or cup had been there i probably would have gone qb and one of those guys to get one of those absolute premium scoring ceiling plays but since they were all off the board to me that was like the move and again i'm i'm taking two qb ones off the board taking them away from the other teams too and putting myself in a position in this case to score every week above that median with two high-scoring QBs. Yeah, and and I ran a poll here. I said, for your participating that are in the Scott Fishbowl, for your draft strategy, what are you guys doing? You know, How do you go about that? Do you go QB, QB? 9% said that way. 56.6% said they're taking two quarterbacks in the first three first rounds. First three rounds, yeah. Nine, 9% just said they want to view it. 24% said wait. Adam, you went with two. And I feel like that first round, there's like eight quarterbacks who are just high upside. You know, they're going to dominate. You're playing for a high floor, high ceiling. That second round, you know, I ended up going with Russell Wilson because I think Russell Wilson is going to have a good completion percentage and kind of take off. I would be absolutely thrilled if I could go Taylor Wilson. But you end up getting a guy that I think people are going to sleep on. I think in most standard leagues, he's not there. But... Derek Carr in this format is a top 10 quarterback. Yep. And that's exactly what I wanted for. Cause in a lot of the mocks I'm seeing a lot of your top, I would say top five latter half, you know, like your uh, like John got right. Henry, your Harris Mixon type of running backs are available there at the end of the second. And I'm generally grabbing them, but I'm always t- saying though, if I can get a top 10 because of the completion percentage, you have to remember right. everybody that's listening you know, you got to remember that that makes a huge floor for your cars, your cousins of the world, right? Those guys that are borderline uh, QB1, QB2s in, in standard scoring. But if the, in Scott Fishbowl, they get elevated and you'll see there in the projections uh, from the site there that they get elevated. Same reason why Dax higher to your point, mm-hmm. John, right? So you got to make sure. So whenever, so my, my strategy at the end of the two is to make, is I'm generally going to get a top tier running back. But if I, if I can get a, a locked in floor, with upside QB one, similar to your Brady pick, right? To those type of guys, Brady's not falling to, to the end of the second, but that type of that tier, it's it's a smash for me. And then, um, yeah, you know, try yeah. to deal with running back in the next two rounds. And I think oh, John I like and I it. were talking about it, like mm-hmm. this year because it's median format, because you know we are going with the top yeah. six. You got to have the high floor quarterbacks. You can't go in and have a week where you have you wait and you get yeah. Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson and they put up duds for you you know like because that's going to happen on some weeks there's going to be a high ceiling high floor for some of those or low floor for some of those guys and you you see as you look across the board here that's a lot of you know a lot of those quarterbacks ended up getting pushed up and that's where you get into a weird situation john is you don't want to be in a situation where daniel daniel jones puts up four points for you and you're below the media in that particular week those first three rounds you've got to have the high floor players. I mean, those are the guys where you can't miss. We got to take players that are going to score, but at the same time, they're not going to lose you weeks as well. Yeah. And you can play around with a couple of these mocks to see kind of when QBs are available. A couple of did fall and we'll come back to that. Like I thought you got a steal in, in the, the fifth there, dad. 
But I, I really love what you did there, Adam, with getting car that early. But some of the guys that did do this mock and the Patreon, they regretted waiting on QB. Oh, Superflex yeah. is such the norm now that most of the, the analysts and the fans that are going to be in Scott Fishbowl are going to be going after those QBs. And yeah. so and be Dan, careful. Dan's yeah. the biggest example there. He got Aaron Rodgers in the second. Hot, super high completion percentage. But then he had to wait till Daniel Jones in the eighth round. You know, and it's like, Ouch. man. You're like yeah, that's gonna yeah. have to hit for you. My when when I've my biggest formula that I've done is I've when I've I've taken like uh, my first year I took Drew Brees early and then I got Matt Ryan late. You know, like in that five six range. And if you can right. get that, this particular one I went with Russell Wilson in the second. And what you said is Tua Tagovailoa is an yeah. absolute yeah. buy at the, in this format. I mean, he is the QB mm-hmm. fourteen right there around Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford above Trey Lance, above Justin Fields. Because completion percentage is so important, he's going to be a guy that I think is is slept on, kind of like Derek Carr. Like they're guys that that you can fall down there. Uh, I think Matt Ryan is going to be a guy that's going to be, you know, he went in the sixth round in this one to Jared. Jared took Lamar Jackson in the beginning. And then he was able to, I mean, you know, I think there's some, some guys here that made some good calls. I'm always fade my wide receivers. But Jared ended up going with Diggs and Devontae Adams and Michael Pittman before he gets a quarterback, and that second quarterback. And then at FF Michael 22, he said he was listening to J.J. Zacharyson, obviously talking a lot this time of year, where wide receivers don't get hurt as much. You know, so you have a yep, lot of guys. I mean, I, I, Michael Beers, the owner over there at, uh, what is that, Rotoviz, he ended up, like I, I had him on the pod a couple years ago, and he was talking about, you know, he's going to take a ton of wide receivers early and just load up on that, those upside running backs, those guys that could pan out. So mm-hmm. I think for me, the quarterbacks is, I want to get two of them in the first five for sure. I don't want to go past round five. Ideally, two in the first four, depending on where you're at. And then late, I mean, who are some late guys here that I think, I thought there was some good values there. But Tannehill. Tannehill yeah. went really late looking the Late seventh? I don't think that's actually going to happen in the real no. deal. Tannehill um, went the seventh. Jared you mentioned Goff. Matt Ryan. Goff. Yeah. David Goff Mills. Yeah. David Mills went in the tenth round. You know, like both of those guys, yeah. I think are, I, I, you know, every Scott Fishbowl, this is the biggest thing. So, like I said, my first year I graded out as like the number one draft. But that draft, everything fell to me. You can't, like, it, they're all going to be different. Someone's going right. to take Kyle Pitts at number one overall. You know, last year someone took, uh, what was it? Matt McCoy. Barkley. Was it Matt Matt Barkley or Colt McCoy number one overall as like a charity event, you know, and and like those those things to me are super cool. You definitely want to do that, you know, and I think uh, Mac Jones is a guy that I think fell pretty late there where, you know, he's going to have a high completion percentage. Uh, Jameis Winston went late. I mean, there's there's some value there. There's if it hits right for you and you wait on those quarterbacks, good for you. But I feel like if you're in that top six picks, you got to get that quarterback. And if you got those other ones uh, in there. Yeah, one more comment on the QBs for those that are listening, because I know uh, people have asked, like, where did Deshaun Watson go? Right? Because, yeah, well, I, I actually, I took him. I took him in, like, once I had all my starters filled out, I took him in the, in the 13th. Yeah. Just in case, you know, the this this negotiation goes down. We may know more in the next week or two weeks or so. But it, to me, at that point, it's a pure ceiling play. Let's say yeah. he comes back for the playoffs. Okay. I'll throw him in my lineup, you know? Yeah. So um, kind of interesting. I think you might even potentially go later than that, but uh, I thought 13th was about right, so roll the dice there. Yeah, I mean, and that's definitely a way to go, especially if you got a weaker QB2. 
and you got to go with a, a scenario like that. Uh, the other thing in the scoring is is tight ends are huge. Yes. I mean, Travis Kelsey is an arguable first-round pick. I think he should go in the first round in right. almost every single one because right. it's him and Jonathan Taylor are the two highest-projected players and, and Christian McCaffrey. They're right in there in that. I put another poll up there. I said, hey, what are you guys doing with this? 19% said they're going bully tight end. For you guys that aren't familiar with what that is, that's tight end, tight end, right off the bat. Just bang on that. 45% said, wait, that's always my mentality, whether it's Dynasty, whether it's Redraft, whether it's, it's the Scott Fish. I always wait because I feel like I can hit a guy. Uh, 16%, they're just going to play dart throws. You know, and I don't advocate for doing no, that. No. Uh, Adam, talk to me about the tight end that you got since you, you stole one of my guys. Uh, and then, you know, there are some values here. I mean, Travis Kelsey, Austin getting Travis Kelsey in the second round after getting Cooper Cup in the first is brilliant. You know, yep. this is a position yeah. that you, you have to hit on. Yeah, so, so, so I think well, how I'm handling wide receivers is similar to tight ends. If you can get your hands on it, good value on your top tier guys, absolutely. So like Prestige doing the cup, Kelsey, I, I think that's beautiful at that value in the position of the draft. But I'm, you know, once you get past, like, you know, if you look at the the projections at, S, at JWB, you'll notice on wide receivers and at tight ends, you know, there's definitely top heavy. It drops off to that second and two, second and third tier, but the the slope actually slows down. Mm-hmm. So your difference between your second, your your top of the second tier and your bottom of the third tier is way closer than the quarterback and the running back positions. Correct. So, so, so back to your point and to the strategy, I think if you can get your top guys in those positions, beautiful, like he did, but the rest of us that aren't going to get those top tier, I think you got to smash just like we've been talking about your quarterbacks and running backs, because that's what you, cause you can then get you again, your difference in your, in your middle rounds between your, their first wide receiver, like we'll talk about the later rounds, but when you get to those possession receivers in the fourth, fifth, sixth round, there's not a huge difference between that and the on the wide receivers and the tight end, say in the third and fourth round. So I think the yeah. best value is to smash it if you're in position, but it, then if not, then get your quarterbacks and running backs. Cause those are going to be your biggest in the early rounds and also best floors as well. And I think yeah. Travis Kelsey is the biggest difference maker in this entire tournament. He's 50 points projected higher than, than Mark Andrews and yeah. 200 Positional points higher there. than the tight end 13. Okay. So if yep. you get him, Week to week, I mean, that is an insane difference. Um, John, yeah. one of the biggest pitfalls you and I talked about, and no pun intended because of Kyle Pitts, but Kyle Pitts is probably going to go ahead of Travis Kelsey in multiple drafts here in, in what you and I like to say, don't get di- that dynasty mentality. I talked about yeah. it in the group chat. I'm the dynasty dad, not the redraft dad. Sometimes I'm sitting there, I'm like, ooh, man, I don't have any Kyle Pitts shares. Kyle Pitts is more than likely not going to put anything close to what Travis Kelsey does. Even though I still have him as a top, you know, four or five tight end in this format, Travis Kelsey yeah. is, is the GOAT when it comes to this kind of... He, he really is. And I haven't ruled out. I mean, I might still have to take him at that one-two turn because he is such a difference maker. I mean, you're getting the equivalent of like... I mean, this is like a, I don't know, like a, an 11-week regular season. Imagine getting like, what, three, four points extra per your lineup every week that no one else can touch at that position. Here's my thing. I'm it's actually almost, gonna. If you're going to the tight end twelve, it's it's over it's over it's ten massive. points a week. It's, it's huge, massive. And I, I actually am gonna challenge the Twitter poll here. I really don't think you should wait on tight ends in Scott Fishbowl twelve. I really don't. I might be in the minority, but it's one of the things I'm considering here, because um, if you look at these projections, like I was able to get Darren Waller at the four five turn. 
Darren Waller is projected to outscore all wide receivers except for two, mm-hmm. Cup and Jefferson. That's it. Yeah. In this format, you're getting not only the extra half point per reception, but you're getting another half point for first downs. So that's, you know, you you, you catch yeah. um, one pass that goes for a first down that's an extra point than you're getting over wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And every single time that I'm looking at the board, I'm looking at my lineup, I know I need wide receivers. I've kind of been waiting on them. But it says draft a tight end every time in terms of points, the points you're putting on the board. And so I really think that that's something to consider. In fact, I ended up going back to Dalton Schultz, who they have here as the fifth overall tight end uh, in the seventh round. And I mean, as soon as I was up, I was like, smash. I had to have yeah. that because I wasn't happy. Adam yeah, and I were talking. Was I. No. I was yeah. like, I'm taking Schultz. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, I think it's Kelsey, Andrews, Waller, Pitts. They're going to go, maybe even Kittle. They're going to go early. Okay. And we yeah. know that. And those, there's only about five guys who could be the tight end one overall, you know, and, and but what you got to do then, I mean, I, this is my fourth year. I've had Zach Ertz every year because I think Zach Ertz has been a value. He was a value in this particular draft, you know, going in the, I believe, eighth, eighth. round, yep. you know, and but I really like Adam. I like your selection. I'm going to talk about mine real quick. I mean, in the 10th round, I got Cole Komet and in this He's projected as a top eight tight end. That's nice. You know, and then you took Dawson Knox, who's projected as, you know, top 12 tight end. And we got those a little bit later. So when we're saying wait, we're not saying wait till round 16 and take Evan Ingram. <laughs> you know, like that's rough. That that hurts because you want to have two tight ends. Roster construction is huge because it is 12 sharp guys in your league. Yeah. Doing and waivers you can start up to five, week. Dad. You can start yeah. five tight ends if you want to. I, I yeah. took another three later just because. I felt like that might be a decent strategy to, to, to look for that in terms of roster construction. Get the most points in your lineup every week if you can, if it makes yeah. sense for the board. Yeah, those mid-tier tight ends, you know, just a reminder back to the first down and the completion of the tight end premium, guys. You got to like, that's why I think smashing that middle tier. And I, I was both Waller and Schultz mm-hmm. was talking to dad, John. And I was like, man, I really, I don't think it's going to drop to me, but man, I really want those. But I ended up going <laughs> with Knox. We'll talk about stacks here in a bit. But yeah, you, getting yeah. those guys in the middle, in the middle rounds and don't, mm-hmm. don't wait. Cause if you get a tight end two for your starter, that's, you know, again, talking about the differences of, of a tight end one and tight end two, especially in this format is going to be huge. So you yeah, got to make sure you right get on. one with with that upside, but with the floor, with the possession receiver mentality. Well, you mentioned stacks there, and I think we're here. We got to do it. We got to yeah. talk about it. Let's in a it. normal dynasty, I don't care about stacks at all. I just want value because I'm making trades, doing things like that. In a redraft, I'm not super wild about it. But in this format, both of you guys love the stacks, and I get it. And I want you to talk to our listeners about it, especially because of this particular type of format where you need those points. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and start on this. And then and I think Adam's kind of on the same page. I mean, when you think of huge leagues, a lot, a lot of the people stack in best ball um, for this reason, because you're competing versus a ton of different people. In this case, we got, what, over 2,000 people in Scott Fishball? Mm-hmm. And you got that league median this year. And so when you think about how you're going to advance in the playoffs, it's like you're going to have to be better than a ton of different teams. And so those stacks can – pay off, especially if in, you're in the right offense and they hit for that particular week. You just gave your, you just doubled up for, mm-hmm. or maybe even tripled up depending on the stack that you build and just give yourself that kind of advantage. If the, kind of the stars align, you could really end up with um, just a massive advantage that could end up advancing you in the playoffs. And Scott Fishbowl 
So that's that's the advantage. Now it can work against you in the other direction if that same stack kind of goes, you know. Um, well, you want to you want to stack it with an elite quarterback like Adam yeah. did. So Adam has yeah. Josh Allen. He decided to stack mm-hmm. with Dawson Knox. I'm not advocating stacking Jared Goff. I did Dak and, Jake, and you know. Dawson or Dalton Schultz um, yeah. was one I pulled together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Yeah, well, I would also. Oh, I'm sorry, John. Go ahead. Well, no, go, go ahead. I have a few stacks that I was going to throw out there that are are valued, where you're not reaching for them. That I'll mm-hmm. throw in here in a second. I was about to say that, John. It, that's the key, right? You do. I think stacks are good in especially those positional roles where you have higher floors with that upside. Um, but it's not forcing it. I think that's one of the biggest things I've seen only in mocks, but also just, I would say even in redraft normal leagues, right. Is, is people are for, taking a guy as around early. So for example, in the, um, in my th- third and fourth round pick, I was seriously considering Waller there for that stack, but I felt at that position I need, cause then I would be really, uh, strongly positionally deficient in running back just with my build. So I knew, like I was considering there, but I knew that I wasn't going to reach for Waller and put myself in the deficiency in running back. So in those situations, I think you need to go for it, but you also need to not give up, you know, those positional, uh, you know, just, you know, completely shift your draft. So I think that's the one thing I want to caution before, John, you finish up with the stack is just make sure you're not reaching for those stacks. But when when they fall to you or they're within value, you got to smash them for sure. Yeah, there's a, there's a few that I actually really like at value. We've been kind of chopping this up in the the 12s, the dirty dozen here. Um, that that you could look for at my particular position, the Michael Pittman Matt Ryan stack has actually been very affordable. You can see how late Matt Ryan went here. And Pittman, see, Jared nailed that. I mean, yeah, Jared went, did that. Yeah, he yeah, went with five, I really six like Pittman Ryan, and that that was that's real nice. beautiful, right? Yeah, that, I wanted to call out uh, Jared, give him a shout out there. That's something that I was kind of eyeing as well. Another one that I really like is Russell Wilson paired with Judy or Sutton because Judy and Sutton are just going that much later. I was kind of eyeing to see how far they fell in here, but that's that looks like the seventh round for, for Judy and Sutton was um, so in the sixth. So you could kind of wait and, and, and pair those guys up. I really think Denver could end up being pretty big. I mean, that one of those combinations mm-hmm. or maybe even all three of them is pretty interesting and affordable. And then at Dallas, um, you, if you wanted to do like the Dak CD stack, that's mm-hmm. going to cost you, right? I mean, I would have to do like my first and my, and my 301, right? First, third. And it might even be lucky if CD's there. That to me is a little bit much, a little bit of a reach just to have the stack. So in my case, I paired Dalton Schultz with Dak later. And I think he could end up being really the number two target for Dak in that offense this year mm-hmm. and you're getting all those premiums so that's that's another example I didn't have to go uh again on that Dallas stack until the seventh in this case so it's another one that I kind of like any, any others that you guys have have thought about putting together yeah. I was gonna say real quick I guess Jared props again because right after that in the Ryan pick he did Pittman Ryan and then he did Bateman to go back with his Lamar Jackson oh yeah so you're talking about that so that so I think that's from nice the stack's perspective Jared did great value he nailed that back in there yeah, yeah. You know, and I was hoping to stack Sutton there, but I was like, in my position, when I ended up taking my first wide receiver, McLaurin was on the board, and I just, I feel like a little bit more upside. For yeah. me, the biggest thing, and the next next thing I want to move on to is is the running backs. I think the running backs are what, the quarterbacks and running backs are what win you the Scott Fishbowl. You know, I, several years ago, I interviewed Stompy when he won it all, and he had Kamara as a rookie. He had Patrick Mahomes when he blew up. You know, he had a lot of 
of high upside like that. And the Twitter poll out there says 44% of you guys are going, you know, robust RB. That's both, that's RBs early. 11% are doing zero RB. No one's ever won the Scott Fishbowl going zero RB. You know, zero RB is just a myth. And then there's the weight on running back. So for me, I'm robust. I'm about as robust as you can get every single year. I went Jonathan Taylor. Then I went Russell Wilson. Then I love John. I love this third round reversal where running backs in yes. East, in our particular one, you got Derrick Henry at one. I got Joe Mixon at three, 305 or 30. What is it? Yeah, 305. I was just. I was yeah. enamored because that's what I wanted. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, we're moving back the next way. I'm like, I'm not going to get another one of these stud running backs, you know. And then all of a sudden, Leonard Fournette fell to me too. I'm like, if you Wait. can get one of these guys, you know, you're, you're going to get so much point. more there. Uh, you know, I put that tweet out there from that that viral video I absolutely love where I was like, yo, Jonathan Taylor, dog. I got Joe Mix, <laughs> dog. You know, like, dude, you got to get these running backs because running backs are going to what what's going to win it for you. And my formula has always been running backs early. Then I've always done three wide receivers in a row. You know, I, I try to like really mm-hmm. fill out that part of my position. I got McLaurin, Allen Robinson, and Amari Cooper. Arguably, you know, but all those guys could be in that wide receiver two category. And then I think what you really got to do is you got to play some upside, right? Running backs are huge. You don't want to, you want to get those three starting wide receivers. You want to get those running backs, but then your lottery tickets are not roster-clogging Tim Patrick wide receivers. They're, you know what, I took Kareem Hunt. So if Nick Chubb goes down, you know, he's got Huge. standalone value, but he's the there. Bone. I took Ramondre Stevenson, same thing. I do think he takes over there, and he has standalone value. But if Damian Harris goes down, he could win leagues. James Robinson, again, an injury away. Gus Edwards, an injury away. I mean, I feel like you take some of those guys and you get those running backs, you don't want the back end of your bench to be a bunch of you know, young upside wide receivers right. who might not hit. You want yeah. running backs. That's right. Rookie running backs. You know, I got to talk about the value. Brees Hall went in the fifth. Kenny Walker went in the sixth. There's always a rookie running back that's going to win it for you there, you know, and you got you to gotta get into that situation. I know people are going to say, well, Dad, I mean, I could draft my wide receivers and I can pick up running backs on the waiver. You are drafting with sharps. You're not drafting with, you know, your four buddies from work who have, and their girlfriends. You are drafting with guys. Yeah, my particular sharks. division has 11 analysts and one fan. That guy's loving it so far, you know, but these are sharp people you are not going to be able to just claim these backup running backs. Running back, to me, is the most important position in this draft after quarterback. Yeah, and I, I want to come back to a point here. Watch out for the ageism here because so many of these people, I'm going to say oh, like yeah. 90% of these, these guys play dynasty. Mm-hmm. But I mean, be careful here because guys that shouldn't be available where they are in this format are like, I, I still. Javante like, Williams over Leonard Fournette, you know, yeah, things like, like that. Don't it's, do that. Well, no. Ezekiel Elliott is consistently available. Like in yeah. the fifth round, as another example, I don't think I should have been able to get Derrick Henry at the 3-1. No. I mean, from what he can do, I know he's coming off the injury, but I think he is going to beast this year. And getting him that late is is a bargain. You getting Lenny Fournette. Um, is a steal. And is a steal. Yeah. Had he fallen to me, I think I would have actually had the highest projection. That was very pivotal that you got that third running back when you well, did. And that's huge because that, I could have taken drop, Debo. Right? I could have taken two yeah. there, but – I got to give a shout out to, to 
I know he did it on purpose. I know he did it on purpose. But Fantasy Nerd Boy took Travis Etienne in the fifth. <laughs> Etienne and Hall are going to smash oh in this gosh, format. I took yeah. Tua, but I was going to go four running backs and then and then hope to get you know Matt Ryan in that next round. That would have been absolutely massive. The other steal that you guys got to look out there for, I got Sam Eichenlob somehow got Alvin Kamara in the sixth round. There, we're going to know mm-hmm. a little bit more about the potential suspension, but like, bro, he might miss some time. He might not. And even if he does, he's coming back after weeks, you know. Certainly for the playoffs. What, no for the playoffs for sure. And I think that's someone in there. Uh, Adam, who's some values here and, and some trends that you saw at the running back position? Because I know you got Chubb and Aaron Jones, and I love that. But let's talk about some of these other values that you saw drop, guys that we should be yep. targeting. Yeah, and I was, by the way, Fournette was, I was citing between Chubb and Fournette. I knew I wanted Aaron Jones in that flip, so. Uh. It was it was really fun because <laughs> I love this because I was talking to John, not about any of your guys of who's coming up, and I was talking to you, and every time we were, like, talking to each other, it was like, dang it, somebody took my guy. You know, it was like, it, it's, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really, nerd, uh, a nerd boy takes uh, in the seventh round, Miles Sanders, I thought was a huge value there. Um, you know, mm-hmm. with, with, you know, I, I think we all love, uh, Hertz and think that they're going to pass more, but I mean, at the seventh round in this type of format, I thought that was a smash there, uh, great picks there. And then, you know, you're really when you're mid rounds, if you're trying to just build depth, you know, I loved like, um, uh, you, you know, I love the, the, the Stevenson pick. I love that from you. I also loved like Singletary and it's not a sexy pick there, yeah. but, um, and in the late ninth round to get potentially in the best offense. And mm-hmm. he scored a ton of touchdowns last year. And then, yeah, they, they drafted, a, they drafted cook who went right before him ironically. Um, but he's, you know, he's going to get more of the air yards. Right. So it's, it's uh, I, I think that's a, that's a great uh, floor pick. I think what he was, uh, what Jared was saying in, in the, uh, in, in, in his draft is that he, you know, definitely at least, at least that's where I remember is that he was, uh, um, you know, having single as your, RB two is a little tough there, but certainly as a depth pick, I love having yeah. that as a flex. Um, and in, then in you a know, league like this, yeah, you have to have a deficiency somewhere, right. you know. Like, and I think that's the thing is like taking a running back with some upside, then all of a sudden fills that deficiency because if you have a Nick Chubb injury, now all of a sudden Kareem Hunt is an RB one or RB two as my fourth guy there, you know, where you got to have your three wide receivers. You got to mix that in there. I know we're getting a little short on time, so I want to talk about wide receivers here. But for me, like I said, I like to wait a little bit on wide receivers. Uh, John, Mm -hmm. talk to me about the wide receivers you got and then some of the trends here because you also waited for wide receiver. I mean, you went went quarterback, quarterback, running back, running back, and then tight ends in there. You really went heavy on tight ends. But you were still able to get some value of guys that are – you know, you got Mike Williams, who was wide receiver 13, Adam right. Thielen, who's criminally undervalued in a, in a format like this, Robert Woods, Christian Kirk, and then upside of Jamison Williams. Yeah, and, and again, like, you take advantage of the fact that a lot of these guys, and, and I love you guys, but some of these guys should not be available this late in redraft and in this scoring system. I chose mm-hmm. guys that I, I think will score touchdowns. And, it, you know, Adam Thielen, I mean, he was hurt last year. He's, the guy still, I mean, people forget, still scored. 10 plus touchdowns. Mike Williams is, is a threat to score every week. And with the being half point PPR, I'm okay with taking some guys that are, that are later in their careers, but they're still mm-hmm. balling out. They're going to get those first downs. There's going to get those touchdowns. So you know, that's why I pulled in a guy like Robert Woods. I think he could actually end up being wide receiver one in Tennessee in year one. I think it could take time for Burks to adjust to the NFL. And I think Woods can end up scoring touchdowns. 
So those are the kind of guys I was kind of waiting on and still snagging a little bit later. I will say having to start three wide receivers back to that point, I may have waited a little bit too long because it, it, it kind of dawned on me like, ooh, now I'm probably hurting with that wide receiver three slot on yeah. my starting lineup. And so that was one takeaway I had that maybe I need to tweak that piece. But in general, I'm kind of a fan of, of waiting on wide receiver. And it looks like both of you kind of had a similar philosophy to some degree. And, and Adam, I mean, if you look at rounds, you know, like you were able to get Deontay Johnson in the fifth, Waddle in the sixth, London in the eighth, you know, Burks in the ninth. But the, the major trend, if you look at this board, you see red at the top, you see green in that three, four, five range, six through nine is predominantly wide receivers. And I feel like you guys yeah. are going to regret it, it if you do not take three or four in that range. Because yeah, you yeah. want those upside running back pieces, but you've got to have that floor of these wide receivers. And, you know, like, I only took three there, and that's a, that's a minor regret of mine. You know, like, I took, I took three in a row, and then the only other wide receivers I was able to go with, you know, I ended up taking – oh, geez, where's my board? My eyes are getting old, guys. I ended up going with Odell Beckham and Nico Collins on my last two picks, and I don't love that. You know, like, I think Beckham's a guy that's going to come back late in the season – I ideally would have liked to take another one there. But again, it, it's interesting. You can see the board. It's almost color-coded, Adam. Yeah, and that goes back to my earlier point about like the slope flattens, right, when you get to that second and third tiers of the wide receivers. So you have to take advantage of it by just loading up on those guys that are, again, good possession receivers are going to get good solid volumes, but they do have upside. So that's where I loved having getting London in the eighth. Uh, you're talking about a guy that might have 25-plus percent you know, target share. Mm-hmm. Same with Burks. Uh, and then I, you know, Tyler Boyd in this in the twelfth. I mean, you're talking to you know. So there, there's some great values even in the twelfth, tenth, that mid range to your point. And then you know the other thing I would say too is that's your time to try to lock in uh, on those stacks, right? Mm-hmm. That we talked about. And then also trying to build, you know, if you have a, you know, uh, like I did Pierce and Mac in the eleventh and thirteenth. So if you can try to get, I don't want to say you know, you know, commit more committee backs that have that upside, especially in an injury. Though that's the other part where you start seeing blue go back to green for some more running backs. So I just wanted to point that out as well. And we got to look at some of these like recency bias. I mean, I was looking at, um, you know, one of our DK Metcalf went in the sixth round to, um, you know, who, t- who ended up taking him? That was, yeah, we'll look Dan at that. Duke. Dan Duke. Yeah, Dan Duke. I mean, I thought that was good value. The six, seven, eight round. I mean, there's guys. Right now, if you look at this projection, you look at Brandon Cooks is wide receiver 13. You know, you have McLaurin in that area. You got Metcalf. You got Mooney. Mooney was a Cooks. great value. I mean, these are all guys. Allen Robinson, I think, is going to be a wide receiver too. And heaven forbid, if, if Cooper Cups goes down, Allen Robinson is going to eat like a to maniac. Amari Cooper, everybody acts like because Deshaun Watson is going to miss some time that Amari Cooper is still not going to be a solid wide receiver. You either want a wide receiver one or two in an elite offense or you want that number one target. Try to get those as many wide receivers as you can to get that because you got to start three. You know, you can't roll in there with just three guys. You got to end up doing that. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about an important position there after that, John. Anything on the wide receivers before we move. I mean, there's value here all over the board, but we definitely want to keep it. Alan Lazard in the 10th round. You know, there's always yeah, a rookie that pans it. out. You know, I think that, that that's something you want to you want to play some upside. In round mm-hmm. 7 through 11, you want to play that upside. You don't want to yeah. take I took the JMO for boring. upside. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's some guys that you're just like, wow, that was a really boring pick. But you want to play some upside here. 
for me, I ended up taking the first kicker off the board. Kickers are important in Scott Fishbowl. I took Justin Tucker. Now, most leagues, you, every redraft I do, my kicker's my last pick. I don't care who he is. It's going to work. Yeah. You know, in Scott Fishbowl scoring, Justin Tucker averaged 12.32 points per game. That is, you know, that's that's a back-end wide receiver bad. two number. Not bad. So if you end up getting a kicker like that, they're not going to get hurt. You can plug them in in your lineup for a flex play. And I think it is a strategy that people don't pay attention to. For the most part in our draft, it's you can see the purples all at the bottom. I went, <laughs> I went with Tucker there. You know, I think the other guys in that area, Butker, you know, you know, McPherson. There's like Matt Gay, Tyler Bass. I mean, there, there's some guys that have some points. If they're going to put up 10, 12 points, I know it's not sexy. You're not going to brag about it, but in that range you're getting a guy that is going to put up serious points. I took him over, you know, guys like you know, Hunter Henry, Marquez Valdez-Scandling, George Pickens, Marlon Mack. Who's going to, out of that list, who's going to score 12 points per game? Yeah, that's Justin stretch. Tucker's the only one right there. You know, so it's like, I know it doesn't sound sexy. It's not something you're going to brag to your friends about, but the kickers do matter. And this year, there is no more negative points for missed field goals. It's all positive from that end. Which, yep, one point each. Yep. Yeah, and your and your quarterbacks are getting negative four for an interception. You know, fumbles are going to cost kickers. It's all positive, baby. Yeah, and that's one thing I just want to point out with kickers and specifically to roster construction. So if you have a lot more upside plays in the early mid rounds, I would say preferring a kicker a little earlier than I would say not early, but I'm just saying you probably want to prioritize a higher floor with a kicker because that'll help with your build. Um, but you know, I, I went with Bass myself kind of after that first run there, but it, you know, it, it, I call it a stack, but it's not really a stack, but I, I kid, but you know, overall it's, it's really about adding floor and floor is more important this year than previous years in Scott Fishbowl, like we were talking mm-hmm. about yeah, earlier. Good so, point. so that's the other thing to consider here is just your roster construction. How much upside versus floor guys do you have? And a kicker can really add some floor in the flex spot like that said. Yeah. One, one piece of advice I'd throw out there on the kicker. I personally would not be the first guy to draft a kicker. What I've seen in multiple mocks now is some guy goes out there and he gets Justin Cuck, Justin Tucker, and then like two, if not three rounds go by. No one else has drafted yeah. a kicker yet. So, you know, you could, you could have waited. Now, you don't want to get stuck and, and you know, miss out on a run. But, I mean, are we, are we really going to see a kicker run in this thing? No, I think you can. But I think, you know, I, th- I think there's kicker, a top four reach. or five guys that are going to put up 10 mm-hmm. to 12 points every week, which is nice. I want to give a shout out to the guys that that participated in this. I mean, obviously both of yeah. you guys, but again, you know, Dan Brettweiser, you know, his favorite pick for him was Najee Harris in the third round. Love that pick. Ended up getting, you know, he's he said his biggest regret was he would have gone quarterback heavy earlier knowing these things. And I think it's good to talk about what what your takeaways are after the draft. Not just us, but listen to what they had to say. Uh, Pope FFH said, you know, for him, his favorite pick was in the 11th round getting Irv Smith, you know, and that's his area. He said, for him, the draft strategy is it's quarterbacks early. You know, you got to get them. He took Joe Burrow and, and, and Trevor Lawrence. Cousin Vito, same thing. He wanted that top-tier quarterback. He said his favorite pick was C.D. Lamb at 310, you know, because that's going to be a guy that he thinks is an upside wide receiver. Jared Selbraid, I know I always pronounce it wrong. At that time, I did it right. You know, he said his biggest steal he thought was Javante Williams in the fourth round and then with top five upside. And then his favorite pick was Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz in the eighth round in this is 
you know, something that I think is, is very good value. Sam Eichenlaub, again, his favorite pick was Alave in the 10th and Kamara in the 6th. Both of those he thinks have some serious upside. Fantasy Nerd Boy, I'm tired of him being in my head, taking all my guys. But he said his biggest steal was Miles Sanders in the 7th. He was just, you know, excited to be in it and wanted to get as much high-tier guys uh, and, and get some, some handcuffs like I did. Austin, that's FF underscore Prestige, said, you know, for him, he doesn't mind. Jameis Winston is the ninth, but his biggest regret there was, you know, waiting too long on that. His biggest steal, he said, was was Russell Gage in the 11th round the, as a, the 49th wide receiver that's off the board, pick. you know. I think that's a really good pick. Mung would be proud of him, you know. Uh, Brian Russell, his rege- his problem is he took George Kittle. No, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. He said the biggest thing was for third round reversal. He got, you know, he, he was trying to figure out where to go when that third round yeah, came back to him. Um, you know, he said he'd like to stay away from rookies. And the biggest thing was separating Dynasty and Redraft. In the Smash Except Patreon, we do nothing but talk Dynasty. And then we're like, oh, who do I take in, you know, this is redraft again. Like, to me, I, I was having a hard time between Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper, but I'm like, it's redraft. It's not Dynasty, you know. So this this has been a fun episode. I think we only started to touch the surface of Scott Fishbowl. Uh, but, John, any, like, you know, this will be your, is this your second, second or one. third? Second, second one. Yeah. one, you know, so share a little bit more insight. You know, and and you know, let's let's close this thing out with uh, you know some parting thoughts. Yeah, and I, look, I, I hope that everybody did have a few takeaways from this. I know for me, I, I'm kind of looking at what these projections laid out right in front of me, and I'm I'm kind of thinking maybe you do go that robust running back like you did, three running backs in the first four or five picks. It's and, worked, and, man. You know, yeah, I'm really row, thinking baby. about it. I, I really I like leading with QB and running back again. I I would advise don't wait too long on tight ends. Tight ends. Uh, don't sleep on them too much. Watch out for that dynasty mindset. But coming back to the main thing I want to say is not only have fun, but do what you can to give back, right? I feel like we all have so much. Um, one of the reasons, Dad, you and I are always trying to give back to the Fantasy Patreon because that's what we do. But Scott Fishbowl gives us all a chance to do that. I decided this year um, for each win that I get, I'm going to give 12 bucks to Fantasy Cares in honor of uh, being the 12th year and being in the 12th slot in the order. And so, um, you know, hopefully I'll win a few games here that I could, I could give, but I'm looking kind of for other opportunities. Anybody can, it doesn't even matter if you're playing or not. It's a good opportunity to, to give back, help out some of these kids and a lot of other fantastic charities. So look, look for great opportunities to get involved and, and do your part. Yeah. And fantasy cares is going to love that $12 you donate this year. You know, uh, just $12 total <laughs> not, Come on. Not for a win. Now, Adam, this being your first experience, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear the whole way throughout, you know, how, the, how you enjoy Me this. Too. But, yeah. uh, you know, any parting shots on what we've been talking about or anything you're super excited about? Yeah, I'll just piggyback on the charity thing. I mean, it, it started with the Eliminators, right? I did, it did a few of those. You know, got to jump in, uh, you know, Lionheart, if you guys look it up, is another. But there's going to be charities all over the place if you're on fantasy Twitter mm-hmm. that are doing all good causes. It's just a great time to be a community, to build a community, and to build things that are good. So just find those opportunities, even if it's within Scott Fishbowl. I know, you know, each each of – that's the other thing I don't know if everybody knows, but each of the actual 12, te- 12 actual uh, conferences are going to be something charity within each. So – you know, finding those opportunities is huge. And then just second, you know, I'm, I'm really excited just to be the first year, but it's all about, you know, building the community. So the, building the Patreon right with you guys and it's sharing that experience. 
So I think charity and sharing the experience and fun are the top two things that I'm really looking forward to. And appreciate you guys letting me be on uh, on the pod as always. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm going to reach out to all the guys that did this and hopefully make this a league just to have, you know, we, we drafted it, put some charity in there. We've talked about doing our own smash the bowl and trying to raise some money. I mean, it's all about giving back. It's all about, you know, Scott is a phenomenal human being, honestly, for setting this up and, and doing what he does. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to be, I, I know people say this all the time, but like I heard him say the other day, you know what, in your redraft league or your dynasty league, take one entry fee and donate it. You know, like you'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. We're in so many leagues. I mean, I'm in 15 leagues. If we donate $50 out of each one into some form of charity, I mean, there's a lot of money to give back there. We're all so fortunate with what we do. You know, like it's it's a phenomenal experience. And I I just want to encourage you guys to give back and enjoy the experience. Like don't just, so many people that have been in this have messaged me, dad, I don't know who to take here. I don't have fun. Just do it your way. You know what I mean? Like, let's get on the clock, have some fun with it. You know, you're not trading back. Just get in there and have (laughs) some fun. If it was trades, I know people have asked that before. Like, if it was trades, it would take years, you know. But get in there, have some fun, make some connections, you know, and just enjoy the process just like you do on the podcast. So thanks again, guys, for tuning in. And honestly, we appreciate you guys. Have a good one. It's always, oh, man, this ain't closing. This is going to be a boomer moment. There we go.